few legendary people that could be considered the most cruel, psychopathic villains in the galaxy. While Anakin Skywalker struggled with the dark side and his love for Padme, and even the Lord of the Sith, Emperor Palpatine, showed emotional fits of rage, hysteria, and madness, Wilhuff Tarkin was a cold, calculated killer of planets with no remorse. His presence was the embodiment of the Emperor's might, and even Lord Vader acknowledged the authority Tarkin held. Among the galactic fleet and the Empire itself, Tarkin, the Emperor, and Darth Vader were unofficially considered the unholy trinity that ruled the galaxy. Where the Emperor willed, Lord Vader enforced, and Grand Moff Tarkin executed with the legions of star destroyers and the ultimate weapon. The Death Star was able to destroy an entire planet, effectively voiding billions of lives in an instant. However, even with such a superweapon primed for destruction, Tarkin believed that the mere presence of total annihilation would render the galaxy into submission. It was his doctrine, the doctrine of terror, that developed the galactic empire as it was. Ironically, it was the same weapon that became his undoing, and the death of one of the greatest psychopaths in the galaxy. Early Life and Career Wilhuff Tarkin came from the planet of Iriadu in the Outer Rim, a polluted industrial world that had once been earmarked for an ascent to rival even Coruscant itself. The son of a powerful and prestigious family, heavily involved in all aspects of the planet's spheres of influence, from arts to politics and the military and the sciences, they were the most powerful of five families that ruled Iriadu, known as the Quintad, and maintained a bitter rivalry with the core world family of House Valorum, some of whose members res- resided on the planet. His uncle, Ranulf Tarkin, had become a hero of the Republic on his death during the Stark Hyperspace War, inspiring young Wilhuff and his brother Gideon to enroll in the military academy. The Tarkin family was indeed powerful and maintained hegemonic control of the sector. However, being an Outer Rim family, they had always lacked the respect that more prestigious world core worlders were known for. A polymath driven to excel and live up to his family name and have it respected the galaxy over. Tarkin was a talented and successful student. From military strategy to starship design, Tarkin's accolades mounted. 
He had scientific breakthroughs in the fields of xenobiology and was a talented poet and philosopher. During his education, Tarkin learned that the Republic was a decaying, failing institution and began envisioning a new, militaristic, authoritarian, and humanocentric future for the galaxy to maintain order. With his new purpose, he determined to rise through the ranks of power and gain influence to achieve his vision. After graduation from the academy, Wilhuff and his brother joined the Republic Outland Regional Security Force dedicated to keeping the region secure from pirates. He quickly ascended the ranks and found himself visiting Coruscant, where he had met and become friends with Wraith Sinar, the future architect of the Death Star. Tarkin would retire from his career to pursue politics and became Lieutenant Governor of Iriadu and was introduced to the Nabooan Senator Palpatine, who further offered promise of political assent. Tarkin became publicly notable for his militarism, much like his deceased uncle, Ranulf, who had long advocated for the return of a Central Republic military and rearmament. He would be manipulated by Palpatine, like so many others, in a variety of schemes to increase his subtle control over the galaxy. Tarkin was comp complicit in schemes from simple mergers of resource extraction and mining corporations to the assassination of trade federation leadership to place the Neomodians in control while using a known terrorist group known as the Nebula Front. After the engineered scandals that saw the fall of Valorum's government and the election of Palpatine as the new chancellor, Palpatine would recommission Tarkin as an officer of the Republic, where he would join a growing faction of ideologues who called themselves the New Order, whose foundational principle would be the bedrock of the Empire in the near future. Further to this, Chancellor Palpatine assigned Tarkin to in a specific mission. He was to spy on and limit the influence of the Jedi as much as possible. To this end, Wilhuff managed to embed a droid in the temple, which would wander the halls recording and forwarding information, conversations, and anything it could pick up and submit to him. Clone Wars. When the Clone Wars broke out, the Tarkin family was well in control of their homeworld and the Saswana sector. Wilhuff remained governor with his brother Gideon Minister of Security and his relative Shayla Page Tarkin representing Iradu as a senator. The sector remained staunchly within the Republic's control, even as some separatist voices began to make themselves known and the total succession of the neighboring Sluis sector. Wilhuff and Gideon were brought into the Republic's newly christened navy 
and led Republic fleets against the Separatists in their region of the galaxy. Tarkin would work closely with Jedi commanders as a member of the Navy, most notably Jedi Master Luminara Unduli, and even Piel. Despite his military successes, Tarkin found himself taken prisoner alongside Master Piel and a group of clone officers, and taken to the Separatist prison fortress called the Citadel. He would be personally rescued by a strike team of clones and Jedi Master Kenobi, Knight Anakin, and Padawan Ahsoka. Tarkin did not think highly of the Jedi as war leaders. He thought them too soft and ideologically restricted to get the job of warfare done with the ruthlessness and efficiency required of a commander. During the escape, he had shared some of his opinions with his re rescuers and was impressed to find some common ground with the brash Jedi Knight Anakin, who agreed with some of Tarkin's beliefs. The two would hold each other in mutual respect, something Tarkin had not reserved for any other Jedi. Tarkin would rise to the rank of Admiral within the Republic Navy, and after his many experiences with the Jedi, would continually advocate for their phasing out of military leadership and operations. This would create an ever-increasing institutional rift between the Order and the Republic military officers, particularly those of non-clone origin. Tarkin went so far as to place Ahsoka Tano under arrest after a bombing at the Jedi Temple and a later assassination of the perpetrator, raising questions of jurisdictional authority between the Jedi and the Republic military. He even went so far as to be her primary accuser during a Senate trial, asking for the highest punishment, death. Despite her ultimate vindication, the event left the young Jedi Tano shaken to her core, her once sincere beliefs in the institutions of the Jedi and the Republic having been irreparably damaged. She chose not to return to the Jedi Order. As the war began to draw to a close, Tarkin continued to rise in power and influence, masterminding the Sector Governance Decree, which gave title and authority to planetary governors as a primary locus of control of the Republic, weakening the democratically elected senators and representatives. He would become one of the first planetary governors and resurrect the ancient title of Moth for the role, taking control of one of the 20 sector armies that made up the Grand Army of the Republic and other Republic defense forces, along with 11 other Moths, effectively phasing the Jedi out of the highest echelons of military leadership. He would continue a series of campaigns against the Separatists, leading many offensives and gaining notoriety across the Republic at large until the conclusion of the war. A New Empire Having secured himself as a moth and powerful leader within the newly created Galactic Empire, Tarkin was shocked and annoyed to discover that Palpatine had already begun construction on the Death Star, but he had been left out of the development process despite his work to bring the project to the attention of Palpatine and Wraith Sinar. Despite his displeasure, along with chiding at the project's name, Death Star, as overly melodramatic, he was ultimately given special oversight of the continued construction and development of the project, though he was not in complete control. The monumental Death Star construction would be plagued by delays, 
labor shortages and engineering problems that caused it to fall behind schedule. This, along with the continued tracking of fugitive Jedi, led to the ultimate invasion of Kashyyyk and the enslavement of Wookiees to serve as the labor to accelerate the construction of the battle station. The success of the plan and successful partnership with the Emperor's enforcer Darth Vader served as the beginnings of a powerful partnership. To help with the engineering-related delays, Tarkin would have scientists and engineers forced to work by kidnapping their families. Although Tarkin did not know early on, his eventual investigations into the background of the mysterious Sith warlord led Wilhuff to suspect the true identity of Darth Vader as Anakin Skywalker, though he never definitively concluded this. Tarkin had been one of the masterminds behind the new imperial political project, spurred on by the doctrines of the New Order, and would give the Empire its ideological shape, second only to the Emperor himself. He wrote philosophical works, such as Visions of the New Order, and would argue the merits of the New Empire with would-be detractors, voicing rousing speeches and taking direct military action through brutal tactics. As he grew in his own personal power, he began thinking less of Darth Vader as more of a short-sighted, petty brute and lacking in the ability to shape the Empire as he saw it. He sought to eventually supplant the Sith Lord or at least subjugate him to his command. The rivalry came to a head when his son, Admiral Garrosh Tarkin, had gone missing and Vader had been sent to recover the officer. Darth Vader had decided instead of rescue to assassinate Wilhuff's son, thinking the loss would drive the Moff to become an unbound machine of destruction against the enemies of the Empire. Unexpectedly, however, it was soon discovered that Garrosh Tarkin had actually defected from the Empire, having become disillusioned with the atrocities his own father had masterminded and committed, and falling in love with an insurgent leader. Vader found the man, along with his rebel lover, in a cathedral on the world of Atoa, and, after encountering ghosts of his past, including his own lost love, Padme Amidala, tortured by his visions, Vader collapsed the temple on himself and the two lovers in, in an attempted suicide. Vader survived and reported Garrosh's death as the work of the Atoan rebels, hardening Wilhuff's resolve and keeping his son's reputation as loyal Imperial servant intact. Tarkin would go on to commit a genocide of the Atoans as revenge. Hey, it's 
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Legacy of Terror. Governor Tuck, I should have expected to find you holding Vader's leash. I recognized your foul stench when I was brought on board. Charming to the last. You don't know how hard I found it signing the order to terminate your life. I'm surprised you had the courage to take the responsibility yourself. Princess Lear, before your execution, I would like you to be my guest at a ceremony that will make this battle station operational. No star system will dare oppose the Emperor now. The more you tighten your grip, Tark, the more star systems will slip through your fingers. Not after we demonstrate the power of this station. In a way, you have determined the choice of the planet that will be destroyed first. Since you are reluctant to provide us with the location of the rebel base, I have chosen to test this station's destructive power on your home planet of Alderaan. No. Alderaan is peace, but we have no weapons. You can't You will prefer another target, a military target? Then name the system. I grow tired of asking this, so it'll be the last time. Where is the rebel base? Dantooine. They're on Dantooine. There. You see, Lord Vader, she can be reasonable. Continue with the operation. You may fire when ready. What? You're far too trusty. Dantooine is too remote to make an effective demonstration, but don't worry. We will deal with your rebel friends soon enough. No. Wilhuf Tarkin contributed much to the endearing policies that ravaged the galaxy during the reign of the Empire. He had discovered a pocket of stable space in the Maw, a maze of black holes that would later hide an Imperial weapons research base that would haunt the galaxy long after his death. Ruthlessly, he executed an Imperial scouting team that confirmed the safety of the location and had had all records expunged in order to keep the location a secret. On a defiant world protesting tax collections, Tarkin landed his starship on the peaceful protesters, killing dozens and injuring hundreds, an act that led to an outcry by the local population, but a promotion for the Imperial officer. The event was soon dubbed the Gorman Massacre, and is one of the turning points that drove Bail Organa to join Mon Mothma in fomenting rebellion. Beyond the ideological aspects of the New Order, Tarkin masterminded a new intergalactic military strategy ruling through fear. Riddled with minor upstarts and rebellious hotspots, Tarkin resolved to end the issue once and for all, ending rebellion before it began through fear of threat of force. To this end, Tarkin threw his whole weight behind not just the Death Star, but the continual research and production of superweapons through which the Empire could control the galaxy by threatening the wholesale destruction of entire worlds. The Tarkin Doctrine took hold as a central philosophy of the Empire and the threat of maximum force to achieve compliance would be the standard operating protocol, from the stormtroopers stationed on the most insignificant backwater to the star destroyers that dominated the stars, 
to the very Death Star itself. A fearful galaxy was a compliant galaxy. The three principles of the Tarkin Doctrine were as follows. 1. Territorial Consolidation It was a concept designed to root out rebellions and criminals who cross-contaminated other sectors by developing special branches in the sector armies as over-sectors who could roam at will across the galaxy and some imperial-sanctioned inquisition with officers answering only to Palpatine himself. Hotbeds of rebels and terrorist activity would be identified and purged with extreme prejudice with these over-sector forces who would have specialized in quelling insurrection movements. 2. Rapid communication was a deconstruction of the holonet and to limit its only to the Imperial Navy and military. Tarkin did not believe in the free holonet and its ability for trillions of users to download illicit materials, i.e. rebel activity, holoporn, and death sticks. So holonet usage would only be made available to Imperial authority, and only then, just the sector flagships and direct live stream to Palpatine's office. As well as restricting criminal movement, the holonet also provided a watchdog against sector moths, keeping them in check in case they felt the reason to stray from the Emperor's guidance. 3. The Rule of Fear It was the keystone in this trinity of beliefs that kept the galaxy in subjugation and the Empire in complete power. Rule through the fear of force rather than force itself. Within that, Tarkin suggested the heavy use of military parades, various persecutions and programs, and the heavy investment of superweapons with the mantra of, the greater the weapon, the greater the fear, until at last the ultimate and invincible weapon would shock and demoralize any rebel scum forever. The doctrine, officially Imperial Communique number 00104.92v, would come to be known as the Doctrine of Terror, or the Rule of Fear. Palpatine was so impressed with Tarkin's proposal that it was immediately adopted across the Empire, and Moff Tarkin would be granted the new title of Grand Moff, answering only to Palpatine himself, and given total control over the Death Star project. A Family Man Driven by his ancestral lineage, but also ever aspiring to raise his house to new heights for the future, Wilhoff Tarkin sought a wife, not for love or companionship, but as a political calculation to further his ambitions. He married Talasa Motti from the powerful house Motti of the planet Falarian, a dynastic and wealthy house built on slavery and mining industry of Tarkin's home sector. One other such member of the house was Admiral Conan Anatinio Motti, a high-ranking and overconfident officer of the Empire. Tarkin, by all accounts, was cold and dispassionate, spending much of his time away and having an affair with a junior officer named Natasi Dalla. Despite his unfaithfulness, Talasa remained loyal to Tarkin, the Empire, and even, even sought to avenge his death after the destruction of the Death Star. Talasa's son, Garrosh, had also perished, unbeknownst to his mother, as a rebel sympathizer and traitor to the Empire. 
Meanwhile, Dala, Tarkin's paramour, quickly rose through the ranks, but not due to their romantic entanglement, rather due to her strategic mind and cunning. Dala soon became Tarkin's protege and became a masterful tactician and stateswoman. She would later be assigned to looking over the Maw installation, Tarkin's secret lab, a repository of Imperial superweapons, and she would become come to unify many of the fractured Imperial remnants after the collapse of the Empire, even ascending to leadership of the Galactic Alliance in the distant future. Of Tarkin's other relations, his younger brother Gideon, whose own military career closely followed, but was always overshadowed by Wilhoff, became a brigadier. He himself sired a daughter, Rivash Tarkin, Wilhoff's niece, who he later adopted upon the death of his brother during a mutiny. Much like his own son, Rivash, had grown disgusted with Tarkin's policies and began to subvert her uncle by feeding information to the rebellion, having access to all manner of imperial intelligence, thanks to her status and connections as an imperial socialite. She did not get along well with her uncle, even before defection, and he was a harsh parental figure. World Killer As Grand Moff, Tarkin would often visit and give speeches to various Imperial Academy graduation ceremonies. He had personally met with the promising Imperial cadets and pilots Han Solo, Biggs Darklighter, and Suntor Fell, who would all gain some measure of fame or infamy in their own careers. The Empire, the lumbering machine of bureaucracy that it was, had no lack of other ambitious and petty officers that would vie for continually increasing status, wealth, and power. To this end, Tarkin would always be on watch for his own underlings that might seek to usurp his post. Even Tarkin himself was not immune to the promise of ever-increasing power, and upon the completion of the Death Star and its personal commander, Tarkin had at the behest of one of his officers even thought about how he might usurp even the Emperor himself though the thought was not entertained for long. Such was the corrupting promise of power in the Death Star, though others, like Vader, were not so impressed. Before the weapon would be unveiled to the galaxy upon its completion, it had been tested, at Tarkin's order, on an Imperial prison world, Despair. Only using one-third of the super, super laser's power, all life on the planet was destroyed as the beam ignited the atmosphere followed by two more blasts that shattered the crust of the planet. Tarkin would be forced to unleash the weapon ahead of schedule as it came to light that the Rebellion had accessed the superweapon's plans, leading to the eventual pursuit and capture of Princess Leia of Alderaan. Tarkin, ever proud and confident in the invulnerability of the weapon, was not so much worried that the weakness might be found in the superweapon, but was insulted at the Rebellion's persistence in the face of such a terrifying tool. Tarkin, after interrogating the young princess, had become impatient and unveiled to the galaxy the weapon's full planet-destroying capacity. Given the order, he had Alderaan destroyed, 
a world that had long been a beacon of the core worlds for its peacefulness, serene landscapes, and the center of culture and arts for the galaxy. This action would make Tarkin both feared due to the extent he was willing to go to to set an example, but also loathed not only by Alderanians that had been off-world at the time of its destruction, but to even other older imperial political figures with ties and fondness for the world, and who thought Tarkin's actions overly harsh and abhorrent. The Death Star would soon be infiltrated by a band of rogues who managed to rescue the princess, but had inadvertently brought the Empire to the Rebellion's door, as Darth Vader planted a tracking beacon on the getaway craft. Wilhuff, believing that this destruction of the Rebellion was soon at hand, set off for the hidden rebel base on one of the moons of Yavin. He arrived aboard the Death Star, and was surprised but unfazed by a small group of rebel fighters that had begun to attack the World Killer. Overconfident in the power of the battle station, he did not even deign to launch TIE fighters to repel the attackers, though Vader did take a flight of his own personal fighters to duel with the rebel craft. As a Death Star moved into position to fire on the rebel-held moon, a single starfighter managed to fire a proton torpedo into the exhaust shaft, setting off a chain reaction that obliterated the, the, the superweapon just as it was preparing to shoot. Tarkin, along with everyone else on board, was vaporized in an instant. Aftermath Despite his untimely death, Tarkin's legacy would endure long after. Initially, the Empire covered up their scandalous defeat, even lying about the infamous Tarkin's death as a shuttle crash and the destruction of Alderaan as an Alderanian-built superweapon mishap. However, the Rebellion was able to disseminate recordings of the truth, forcing the Empire to backpedal its own propaganda narrative. The Empire swiftly put out bounties on the smuggler and ex-Imperial Han Solo and his rogue Wookiee co-pilot for the murder of the Grand Moff. The embarrassing defeat of Tarkin's Death Star, and by extension his doctrine, kindled outrage in the masses and hope in more systems that sought liberation from the Empire's repression. The power vacuum that the death of such an influential political leader as Tarkin left set empire, the Empire at odds with itself, as former subordinate officers started to maneuver for control in the void the Grand Moff left behind, further weakening an already unstable regime, full of jockeying and infighting. Despite all this, the man would remain enshrined as a hero and a martyr among Imperial Loyalists, and would inspire his own followers to continue on his principle of ruling through fear. New superweapons would be named after him, as well as training centers and detention facilities. His, his wife, who would seek to avenge her dead husband, as would his lover, Admiral Dalla, who would come out of hiding in the Maw installation after the defeat of the Empire and the rise of the New Republic.
And now, a message from our sponsors. Do you need to keep an unruly galaxy under your thumb? Local insurgents messing with the peace and order of your sector? Come on down to Bob's Discount Super Weapons. We've got all kinds of prototypes and retired military hardware for all your malevolent needs. Blow up continents, destroy planets, create black holes to absorb a system's sun. We've got everything from star destroyers to dark sabers, death stars to sun crushers. See the infamous wreckage of the galaxy gun, or as we like to call it, the galaxy fun. Bob's Discount Super Weapons. Satisfaction guaranteed. All sales are final. Bob's is not responsible for planet destruction or any lawsuits that come from use of our discounted super weapons. Consult your overlord if super weapons are right for you. Please cover your exhaust ports. Thanks for flying with us. Jordan here. Just wanted to let everyone know what's happening here at the Star Lords podcast. Star Lords is now on Discord. If you would like to join the Star Lords Cantina Discord server, you can find a link in the description or on any of our social media accounts. Reach out with a DM or email. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching the Star Lords Podcast. Go ahead and give our page a like and send us a message. You can also email at starlorespodcast at gmail.com. Send us your fan art, Star Wars collections, or fan fictions, and you may even get a feature on one of our pages or even the show. Don't be afraid to offer corrections or add to any of the topics that we discuss on the show. We are also on Patreon, so if you want to help us pay the bills, as well as get a few awesome perks like bonus episodes, access to the private Facebook group, or the VIP section of the Discord server, Head on over to patreon.com forward slash starlores and sign up for as little as one US dollar a month. And finally, make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcatcher app or YouTube, as well as sending us a five-star review on iTunes. This really helps us reach a wider audience. Enjoy the rest of the show. Welcome aboard the Millennial Falcon. This is Christian. This is Jordan. And today we are talking about the man, the myth, the legend, Grand Moff Tarkin. Will Huff Tarkin, for those more familiar. Uncle Will Huff. Uncle, <laughs> Uncle. <laughs> really pro-imperial. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, he is very much, I think for anyone who's like really big fans of the OG trilogy, he is in a lot of ways almost the main villain. Uh, even like, yes, Darth Vader is the most iconic and like the one that everyone knows and remembers. But I think he is one of the underrated main villains of the first movie. Um, like he represents the Emperor. And like he even, when you go back and you watch A New Hope, like Tarkin even talks down to Vader. Um, of course, like obviously, it's not that Tarkin necessarily outranks Vader, but there's that level of like respect, like that Vader actually, you know, when Tarkin asks Vader to release, uh, I think it's Admiral Moti, who he's like force choking. He's like Vader, release him. Yeah, right. He yeah. gives that like order, and Vader complies. Right. Yeah. So even he's like keeping Vader in check. 
Um, again, maybe not officially, but like that's what the audience perceives of him. So he's he is very much one of the main villains, and he kind of like you kind of forget about him, you know, after two other movies, and then going into the prequels, and obviously like Vader and, em- and the Emperor become the central villains, but he is very much the main antagonist of the first movie. Yeah. Um. Really, a great character though. Yeah, in the absolutely. original films. Yeah, you know. Um. He, and he there, he has his fan base. Like, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Like I said, a lot of the OG fans definitely know that Tarkin is the big bad of the first movie. Yeah. Um. But yeah, just for like the broader audiences that maybe didn't grow up with the OG, or you kind of like I said, you forget him after watching so many other Star Wars films. He only appears in the one, and I guess if you include the new ones, if like Rogue One counts. Yeah. Um. He's also so going into like his history and life. Um. He's very much like if Adolf Hitler is the big bad, like Himmler, who is like the leader of the SS, right? Tarkin is like Himmler. Like he's the idea man. Like, yes, Hitler had a lot of like horrific ideas, but Himmler is the one that made them happen and actually like came up with the the worst ideas. And I I have thought, I feel like that's what lucas was going for yeah in this with uh tarkin's character i don't know if he's ever said that but yeah I've, I've, i never read anything that explicitly says it but that's like the thing that was yeah, in the back that, of my mind the whole time yeah that was does like, seem like the vibe it's his ideas yeah. that are really being pushed through the empire it's his authoritarianism his militarism his um ruthlessness his cruelty like yeah. that is tarkin yeah um there's also who's that other big bad in uh hitler goebbels yeah i mean there was a whole there's a whole group of them but yeah (laughs) i'm sure there's a lot of masterminds that people like pin everything on adolf hitler being the worst right yeah but there were actually people who i would argue are actually worse than hitler yeah probably and probably were like pushing for the Holocaust. yeah exactly yeah like that wasn't necessarily hitler's idea right that came from himmler so it is sort of interesting i wonder i wonder if um if anyone has like any source material where like Tarkin is actually pushing Palpatine <laughs> to go further than even Palpatine wants to. Uh, so from, from my readings, it didn't seem that way. Yeah. Like Palpatine is definitely the big bad. Yeah. Um, but the reason why Tarkin is raised in the ranks so quickly is because Palpatine likes everything Tarkin has to say. Yeah. And like the Tarkin doctrine being named after Tarkin, right? Like Palpatine's like, oh, I never thought of that. That's yeah, a great yeah, idea. Yeah. <laughs> you should totally do that, right? Yeah. So. I know, um, and not to get too uh, in current events here, but like I've been reading a bit about like um, what's going on with Russia and Ukraine. Yeah. And um, from all accounts, it, I know this may offend some people, but Putin is actually probably one of the more moderate people in his government. And if he is eliminated, it's very likely that someone much more extreme will uh, take his place. Take his place. Yeah. And because there's actually a lot of forces, uh, political forces, I guess, within their government that are, they really want to be a lot more aggressive with the war and, and want to do more of a scorched earth policy. And, mm. uh, and I mean, I don't want, I don't think anybody wants that, but yeah. it's like, it, you have to be, 
you have to be careful when dealing with tyrants. Like, yeah. if you if you eliminate one, there could be one much worse. Well, we literally saw that this happen in Afghanistan, right? Yeah, yeah. If Al-Qaeda is bad and tal- the Taliban are bad, well, ISIS was worse. Right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. who is it that's going to fill that ideological vacuum? Yeah. Um, interestingly enough, in Star Wars, that doesn't happen um, because Tar- Tarkin is killed. And yeah. even though his legacy remains, it actually like makes the empire a lot more brittle because he was such a strong yeah. force of cohesion and order that a bunch of like petty officers started vying for control and fighting and kind of like just really weakening the overall like imperial project, the ideological side of the imperial project anyways. Yeah. So yeah, you don't really see that necessarily happen. You just see the, more of a balkanization, like a, fracturing of the empire and the same thing happens when city when darth sidious or palpatine dies yeah you know the the empire fractures even further with a bunch of petty tyrants so doesn't necessarily mirror real life but not everything has to either yeah that's true (laughs) all that would be an interesting uh story if you have someone worse than (laughs) than tarkin fill (laughs) the gap right like but tarkin is that guy that's behind the scenes that's like quite quite evil no but i think the thought experiment for me would be like what if palpatine and vader were eliminated and tarkin oh became the emperor yeah became like the emperor like uh, hypothetically the empire could become much worse right like yeah if it was all tarkin yeah Yeah. even though he's not like a dark lord of the sith yeah uh, you know it's you, people can still be evil without yeah. being yeah you don't necessarily have the force need yeah. to be involved for you to be a bad guy yeah. which i do like i do really actually really appreciate that, that yeah you know it's you true. could have really bad care like bad not bad characters but like evil yeah villainous villainous characters yeah. that aren't necessarily aligned you know in tarkin's case he very well was probably just a psychopath and yeah just cold and calculating and like yeah ends justify the means to whatever level right yeah i'll blow up your planet just to send a message um Tarkin was also like Lucas did explicitly want a human face to be a bad guy for the first movie. Okay. Um and you know again Darth Vader hiding behind the mask and Palpatine wasn't really either. he wasn't a big part of the yeah. first first He's just in the he, holograph, right? Holograms, yeah. And yeah. he was like kind of very much like spoken about distantly, not Yeah, yeah. ever directly. Um so Tarkin was like that human face of evil. For the original trilogy, well, the original, the first movie, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah, arguably, like he is worse in a lot of ways. Like Vader is sympathetic. You're kind of like understand, like, well, you know, he, he lost everything, and he has like an emotional drive, whereas like Tarkin's just being evil, evil, yeah, right, for like political and ideological reasons. But he he's not driven by any kind of personal slight or like. Yeah. Anything like that. Although he does always want to be elevating his family and, you know, he is driven by that. But, yeah. Again, there's better. He could have been like uh, investing in the libraries or, yeah. you know, <laughs> become a philanthropist and have the Tarkin name across the galaxy for those reasons. Right. right. Um, his family life is very interesting too. Um, a lot of people don't know that he had a wife. And had a son, even. Um, his wife wasn't uh, adamant imperial supporter, and even like, even though Tarkin was always a jerk to her, he obviously married her f- for political reasons. Um, she very much like adored him, and even sought revenge after his death. 
But it was interesting to see the dynamic between him and his son and his niece, who both ended up becoming rebel sympathizers. Right, yeah. And I wonder what kind of inspired, like you could very well could have had a whole family of like cutthroat evil, right? Like the whole Tarkin name is tarnished and all, they're all bad, right? Yeah. But there's a lot of like uh, interesting stories about they, his own family is kind of disgusted, at least some of them. Yeah. The, the younger generation They're is, revolted is by disgusted him. by his actions yeah. and they. Yeah. And I mean, that's not like, I don't know if you've known any like hyper religious parents and then their kids kind of rebel against yeah, it. Yeah, rebel yeah. against it and become like very anti religious yeah. when they get old. Like, I've known. I think it was the same for like not strictly religious, but any like really strict parent. Yeah. In, yeah and the kid in, rebels through yeah. like being the opposite of what their parents were. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Like I've known a lot of kids that are like that. Right. Yeah. So it, it like, um, I don't know. It could just be that dynamic. You could explain it. Uh, it seems like a, a kind of natural human instinct. Yeah. yeah. Thing. But yeah. Um, Garrosh's story, Tarkin's son is interesting too. Cause he falls in, in love with like a, yeah, she, like, a rebel. like a priestess. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, hmm. she's she's a rebel aligned priestess but yeah. like there's almost like that element to it and kind of like a stepping away from Tarkin a little bit um Darth Vader actually tries to kill himself yeah i didn't and he brings down that. yeah he brings down the chapel on himself yeah, and, yeah. and Garrosh and his lover and so what's also interesting is i believe in splinter of the mind's eye like the last scene uh temp uh vader goes into this temple where luke is yeah and but he like uses the force and brings the temple down and like almost kills both of them yeah um so i thought that was kind of <laughs> maybe like a rip off of uh that yeah scene? that, that yeah. scene from because splendor of the mind's eye came out like yeah it was like one of the first yeah like a long time ago. expanded universe releases yeah. yeah i think it came out before empire strikes back so. yeah um, I mean, Vader is driven by self-loathing. That is a very key That's part true, of yeah. Vader's character. So he does do a lot of self-harm yeah. even in his... But it just seems like <laughs> in the Legends universe, he did he it keeps, twice. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he knows he was going to like, oh yeah, I can tank a building falling on me. I'll yeah. do it again. Yeah. <laughs> no survivors. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the Tarkin Doctrine. So... Yeah rule through fear um i think strictly as a political analyst (laughs) it's obviously it's not advised if you look at like a lot of traditional literature like um the author of the prince um machiavelli yeah machiavelli who actually argues again it's better to be feared than love or yeah yeah feared than loved feared than loved yeah um but he actually also because i read this like last year yeah he says it's, it's good to be both like yeah and, and, and to be tempered yeah tempered in your fear right like, yeah yeah if you go full scorched earth you might actually have the opposite effect and foment rebellion against you if yeah. you're just a cruel tyrant for yeah. no particular reason um, well it also becomes like self-perpetuating where you have to get even more more brutal, brutal because to, people start yeah, yeah to like scare people into submission yeah right? So in the Tarkin doctrine, like Tarkin very much, it seems he would rather rule through the threat of violence rather than actually using violence. I don't know if that's just strictly a calculation. Like 
well, if you get into a fight, you might get injured, right? If you send troops to an area, you might lose resources and assets that get tied up that could be better suited elsewhere. So he'd rather blow up one planet to keep all the other planets in line than go around blowing up every planet that just happens to have rebels on them, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's one of the central tenets of the Tarkin Doctrine. And it does seem to backfire, but it's hard to say whether or not, because the Death Star gets blown up so soon after Alderaan, yeah. it's hard to say whether or not it was truly effective. Um, or did it just inflame the rebellion? Right, exactly. Yeah. So it's hard to say. Yeah. Um, it is. They don't, I don't know if they totally explain it, but what effect it had on like the wider society. You yeah. Know? So, yeah. And it would be cool. I would love to see that, like, what other planets thought of what Tarkin was doing. Like, oh, yeah, it's totally justified. Like, yeah, we should go bomb that planet yeah. that did the bad thing. Right. Or if they were more disgusted and like, yeah. oh, maybe the Empire isn't. I mean, so overwhelming right. shows of force have ended wars, right? Yeah, like, uh, like dropping nukes yeah, on cities. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, uh, and, and there's other examples, too, in history where it, just an overwhelming show of force, you don't do it everywhere all at once. You just yeah. do it, like, tactically in one spot. and then you, Enough to show them. That yeah, like, enough to show them that. And it ends, ends the war, right? Yeah. So, I mean... It, it, I could see like tactically trying to end the rebellion that way, right? Yeah, yeah. which was ultimately the goal. Yeah. Um, early on in the Empire's history, there was a lot of like upstarts and the Rebel Alliance. When we do a more detailed Rebel Alliance episode, we'll talk about it. But like it really was the a Rebel Alliance. It was a bunch of fractured groups that suddenly yeah. came together with the mutual goal of combating the Empire. Yeah. But early on, it was all these little pockets of resistance and and you know, terrorism and whatever. Like, it, it it captured a lot of different groups, right? You could have legitimate terrorists who were, you like know. Sal Guerrero. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, who's technically, I, I guess he kind of sits in that weird realm of, like, canon and legends. I think but, he's canon. I don't yeah. think he's legends, but. Well, he appears in the Clone Wars, so it depends where you oh, demarcate uh, oh, the Clone yeah. Wars. That yeah. always makes it murky. Yeah, but. Uh, I guess he, he. I guess he's like not that big of a character where he could almost fit in. Yeah, I in I like I like his character. He wouldn't really affect like the, the main overall storyline. Story yeah. yeah, and then you can just say like he dies off on some yeah. planet or whatever, yeah. or you could write more stories with him if they were producing Legends content. But yeah, yeah, I like his character too. For yeah, sure. and I like that idea of the rebels actually being like radicals and like yeah, yeah, extremists. Yeah. Yeah, it adds like a little more layers to yeah. the, to the onion. I like having sympathetic Imperials as alongside yeah, people totally. like Tarkin. Yeah. Right, yeah. there could be genuine like Imperials who just bought into the propaganda, or were lied to, and like you know, yeah. were thought they were joining for no more reasons. Yeah, and then also having characters like Tarkin to contrast against, and then the rebellion having good paragons like Luke and Leia, right. but then also having extremist groups like Saw Gerrera's. And I, I think they could have gotten worse with it and, yeah. you know, made like the ISIS equivalent. Yeah, of, yeah. Like they're willing to kill yeah. children and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Know? Whatever, by any yeah. means necessary, we have to bring yeah. the empire, you know. Yeah, like they go and massacre a bunch of families of actually uh, interesting stormtroopers. Or something. We're going way <laughs> off topic here, but interestingly enough, it seems that might be where this new Andor show, I don't want to date this episode too much, yeah. but Andor hasn't come out yet as of now, but it is on the cusp of coming yeah. out. Yeah. And that is one of the things that appeals to me is they. it looks like they're talking about maybe delving into the 
okay. murkiness of the rebellion. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We'll see. We'll see how it all pans out. But yeah. that that would be an interesting draw for me. It could be a surprise. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. I'm willing to give it a shot. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Tarkin's portrayal. Peter Cushing. I believe it's Sir Peter Cushing. I think he was knighted, but I oh, really? can't, I'm not sure. Um, but he oh yeah, he was knighted. Um he played Baron Was it Ro- Alec Guinness knighted as yeah. well. <laughs> yeah, Star Wars had some oh, high hitting <laughs> actors. Yeah. Um he played Baron von Frankenstein. Um Oh oh really? In yeah. I don't know why I said it like that. Frankenstein. Yeah, Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um and he was friends with Christopher Lee, who was also known oh, okay. for playing Dracula. So like they're right, like yeah. Peter Cushing is like not from our era of movies, but I'm sure there's lots yeah. of fans out there that like grew well, up with him as well. Cushing's gotta be a lot older than Lee. Yeah. yeah. Maybe not a lot, but older. A bit older, yeah. yeah. But they were both like in the monster era, like the you Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. You know, when the the original mummy and yeah. like Yeah. Dracula. Dracula. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So he was one of those monster yeah. came from those groups, which was a obviously a good pick then to play the big villain for your Star Wars film. But he actually auditioned to play Obi Wan. Oh, is that originally, right? yeah. Oh, he got typecast. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, you look like you're evil. Yeah. <laughs> um interestingly enough though, apparently he was really great on set and like it was actually hard for some of the actors to treat him like Oh really? Like yeah, like <laughs> Carrie Fisher had trouble like talking back to him as yeah. if he's some like evil character because she's like he's so nice in real life okay it was hard to to picture that it is hard to picture him being nice yeah that. right i had to see some behind the scenes footage to get an idea you know it's hard or, like get, interview footage of i him. think i think back then you didn't really see much of celebrities or actors not as much, much as you do today yeah, for like sure today you see across the board because we have cell phones with yeah cameras i think just like social media and stuff yeah. but like yeah, like you, you see a very manufactured image of them, and you don't really see much behind. The like scenes. you'd maybe see them once a year on a talk show or something, but right? Otherwise, yeah, yeah. Like now, it's like you can go to insert X actor and go to their Instagram and just like learn everything about them, right? Yeah, <laughs> their personal you know where lives. they were yeah. where they were born and yeah. their families, and yeah, but, it's a different time. That's yeah. For sure. <laughs> But uh, yeah, Tarkin. I feel like there's much more to say, but I don't like. I feel like for someone who's a film, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not a snob, but a snob. A, fil- a film buff. Yeah, film buff. Um, might know a lot more about Peter Cushing yeah. and like more to do with kind of how his character evolved and developed, but. Yeah, if any of any of our listeners who are like really into film history and know more about Peter Cushing, I was just a huge fan of Christopher Lee, so I had like all this stuff on Christopher Lee. But yeah. I'm sure the same amount of information exists about uh, Peter Cushing. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I guess one final quick note is uh, they kept bringing him back in like prequel material. So like he appears in Rogue One, but he's obviously. It's not him. Peter Cushing died before they filmed that. So they did like a digital reconstruction of him. Yeah. A lot of people were not fans of it. Yeah, I wasn't the it it was a little jarring to watch. Yeah, I didn't think so. I thought it was really well done. Yeah. I quite liked it. Same with I think the Leia one was more jarring than 
than Peter Cushing's. Oh, and I oh. liked both. I, I'm actually glad they did both. Yeah. I would rather them do the digital recreation rather than hiring a different actor to portray the role. Yeah, yeah. Um, interestingly enough, for episode three, you do see Tarkin um, approach Vader and, and, Darth, and Darth Sidious watching the, the Death Star being constructed in like the very last oh, few yeah. scenes of episode three. And they did hire an actor because he would have been a lot younger then and they yeah, did like yeah. a bunch of prosthetics and makeup on him. Yeah, 20 years. Yeah. And that I wasn't a super fan of. Oh, okay. I, did, I didn't really like... I, I almost have to like go and look it up. Yeah, and he doesn't here. have any lines. He's like literally, you see yeah, him walk just, up to them. He like bows, and then like that's it. Yeah, yeah. So he he has no lines or anything, but it's just mm-hmm. a quick glimpse. And then he does appear in the Clone Wars TV show yeah. as an animated character. So obviously he's voiced. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I I don't disagree with you. It's maybe better to do the like recreation. Um, I just, I, I don't know. It, it seemed too video gamey to me in the film when I watch it. I found it a little, it's just like, it feels like seeing a video game character beside a live action, like a live action character, which is a little, I thought it was felt hard. It maybe just my brain like was had like, trouble processing yeah, it. I, yeah. I had trouble. Uncanny Valley. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I've also seen it done in like other shows where they've done it like really well. Like I know in Iron Man or in uh, Avengers, they did like a young Robert Downey Jr. and uh, it was like really maybe, good. I thought it was like really really well done. Yeah. So it, uh, maybe that the tech has just got a little better. Yeah, a little better. I mean they also do it in the sequels movies with Leia and Luke. Yeah, yeah, and then even in the. TV show. I, I think guess. it was a little better with Leia in terms of how she looked in the in the Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, but her lines were super weird. Yeah, like, well, because like they were working with talking. the audio. Yeah, yeah, it was that was weird. But I thought I thought she looked all right. But yeah, I'm I'm not I'm I don't judge super hard on computer graphics for yeah. the most part personally. Like if it's passable, yeah, you get an A plus for me. <laughs> Fair enough. But yeah. All right. Uh well, before we head out, I just want to give a shout out to our new patrons. Um, and I just want to thank all of our patrons for supporting the show. Thanks for sticking with us. If you want to support the show, three dollars a month, you get access to all the bonus content in the groups. Uh also um send us a message if you have any questions or criticisms or corrections and maybe we'll talk about it on the show it just depends <laughs> if you're nice the- enough <laughs> uh but we would like to talk about um just lore stuff so if you have any lore comments or questions you want to bring uh but in any case thank you to our new patrons Marcus and uh TJ who upped his pledge so thank you guys for helping us keep the show alive and the fire burning All right. Peace.